On today's episode of the Harrison Family Podcast, we're bringing on from CBS Sports, Jonathan Jones, to talk about his 2021 NFL mock draft and looking forward to the NFL draft coming up on this upcoming Thursday. We're going to talk about all of his predictions for most of the 32 NFL teams, talk about Trevor Lawrence's comments, talk about why Justin Fields is slipping in the draft according to the mock drafts and a lot more. So stay tuned for that. And now tune in to a great interview with Jonathan Jones starting right now. We're now joined by NFL senior writer from CBS Sports, Jonathan Jones. Jonathan, welcome on. Hey, Harrison. Appreciate you having me on, man. So NFL draft, two weeks away. I'm going to ask you this. Is this some of the busiest time of the year for you in covering the National Football League? Yeah, you know, it's it's busy um, working the phones and figuring out, trying to figure out uh, what teams are going to do, you know, at this point in the calendar. Um you know, a lot of haze in the barn for teams uh, in terms of uh, their game tape, uh, talking to the guys, um, you know, uh, medicals should be in by now. So uh, if you're talking to a team, it's a lot of smoke uh, and pro- they're probably lying to you now. Um, so it's waiting through all that and trying to figure out what's what. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a very, very exciting time in the draft. <laughs> I, it, the draft needs to get here. It's, it's been a long way. It feels like from this, the Super Bowl happened more than five months ago. It was really just under two. Let's talk at some of the prospects for the draft before we dive into your 2021 mock draft. I want to hear your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence's comments from earlier this week. He talked about how he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder and he's not into making up negativity to prove the doubters wrong. I want to hear your thoughts on what he said earlier this week. Well, I mean, his play obviously speaks for him. Um, and he's the best quarterback in the draft without question. Um, best quarterback that's come out of college since Andrew Luck. Um, so, you know, he can sort of say whatever and still be drafted number one. If you're the Jags and if you're Urban Meyer, you probably don't love it. Um, it's not like you can build a marketing campaign around uh, Duval County. Uh, I don't need football. But uh, I understood to a point what he was saying. You know, he's a, uh, a young man who's deeply rooted in his faith, who understands that football uh, d- will not define uh, who he is as a person uh, forever and ever. Amen. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a big point in his life. And it's hard to question his competitiveness uh, when you turn on the game tape, when you see what he's been able to do and be the number one recruit out of high school and uh, win a national championship and be the number one overall pick without question. Uh, obviously, there has to be a competitive drive there. But yeah, if you're the team, you probably wish that uh, he wouldn't have said what he said, exactly how he said it. How do you think Urban Meyer is going to succeed in Jacksonville? Or will, will he succeed? He has been out of football for the last couple of years. He's had great success at Florida and Ohio State. First NFL gig. It's kind of a wild card to see how he's going to do. What are your thoughts on Urban Meyer? Yeah, I mean, it, exactly what you said. Um, he has to be okay with losing, um, something that he didn't do very much of uh, in his previous stops in college. And uh, he's going to lose in Jacksonville, certainly in the first year, uh, maybe two years. And I said when he took the job, you know, he takes losing hard. We all know that. 
Uh, remember that, of course, from Florida and Ohio State and the health issues. And he had, if he's going to take this job, it, it's up to Urban to realize, hey, you, you can't take it that hard. Your health has to be uh, in a good situation uh, to take this job on. To predict what he's going to be in, in the pros is impossible. Just for as many, hey, this college coach was successful for as many Jimmy Johnsons. There were Steve Spurriers and Nick Sabins. So, um, you know, I, I have no clue how he's going to turn out uh, in the NFL. But, um, you know, as long as he has that, that mindset, um, you know, uh, that's, that's what's going to be most important for him. To the Ohio State quarterback, you mentioned Ohio State, Justin Fields. At the end of the season, he felt like the consensus number two pick in this draft. He had outstanding success in the 2019 season, was pretty good for most of the 2020 season. A couple down games against Northwestern, wasn't great against Alabama, wasn't too great against Indiana. We threw three interceptions. But even after the Clemson game, threw six touchdowns, it felt like he'd be the consensus number two pick. Now, all of a sudden, a lot of people, including you, have him as a fifth quarterback taken in the draft. Why do you think he's dropped so low? Yeah, I mean, for me, he's my he's my second favorite quarterback in the draft. Um, and so, but, you know, the mock draft needs to reflect what I believe teams will do. Um, so, you know, uh, so, uh, I, that's what I think teams will do. Uh, difficult question for me to answer because I don't yeah. want to kill the kid. Um, but that's, uh, I think teams will do that if it were up to me, uh, based on town alone, based on what he's done on the field. Uh, he would be the second quarterback off of my board. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a confusing topic of why, because we had outstanding success. They were even talking earlier in the year, him versus Lawrence. Now we're trying to talk him versus Mac Jones, where it's kind of gotten a little way too confusing. One of the other quarterbacks who I'm really a big fan of, Trey Lance. He is kind of uh, probably the biggest wild card of the five. He could turn out to be the best. He could turn out to be out of the league in a couple of years. Where do you stand on Trey Lance? Incredible uh, brains and brawn. I think he is the... Uh, the best blend uh, of the quarterbacks after Trevor. Um, you know, he's young. Listen, all these NFL guys, uh, coaches, personnel men, they think that they're going to save the world. They think that they're going to change the guy and make and find the next Tom Brady and, and make the next Tom Brady and make the next Peyton and all that. So whatever team grabs him is certainly going to see all of his physical tools. They're going to see his youth. They're going to see that, he really, without question, has the highest ceiling. Um, and that's, the, that's the, the word everywhere in the NFL when you talk about potential and ceiling and unlocking all of that. So uh, I'll be interested to see where he winds up uh, and, and what system he's in, how much time he has to mature and grow. Everything that I hear about him, uh, this is not the guy that you necessarily want starting uh, week one uh, because of his lack of experience. But uh, if there's no rush for him to get out there on the field in 2021, you might have yourself a, a pretty solid quarterback for the next 15 years. What teams do you think would be a good fit for Trey? Because you've heard the potential that you could have to Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. If you mentioned unleash that potential, what? because if he's thrown into the fire week one, it probably won't be as successful. What are some patient organizations you think would be a good fit for Trey? Well, you just got to go somewhere that has a quarterback um, that probably won't be there much longer. So you look at an Atlanta uh, with Matt Ryan restructuring his contract. That's a big number in 2022, uh, but not something that they can't necessarily get out of with another restructure down the road. So they're picking at four. Obviously, San Francisco there at three where they're letting teams know uh, we're not letting go of Jimmy Garoppolo just yet. 
Uh, and so if they stick with Garoppolo, you can see uh, Trey sticking there for a year and learning and then taking over. Uh, and then I, I think I had him mocked to the New England Patriots, trading up from 15 to four with the Falcons. Um, you know, they have Cam, they signed Cam, they stood pat everywhere else at quarterback throughout the free agency process. And so that signaled to me that they would be ultimately okay with Cam being the week one starter. Uh, so, you know, Trey could, could go there and certainly learn and grow from a guy who is uh, a little bit bigger than Trey, but uh, has a lot of his qualities and traits. So I think that those are uh, the three teams that I would be looking at. I think that'd be a good fit for Trey to, to learn behind Cam Newton. I think is one of his idols, as he mentioned in an interview, because of the similar play style with the, the strong arm and the great running ability. Back to San Francisco for a second. They're projected right now to take Mac Jones number three overall. You have that in your mock draft. We mentioned that's reflective of what GM should do. Do you think it's a smokescreen or do you actually think Mac Jones will be the number three pick in the draft? Yeah, you know, when they made the trade with Miami, Kyle Shanahan was saying the real reason to hide our hand anymore. Uh, we know that Trevor's going to Jacksonville. We know that Zach Wilson is going to New York. So, you know, you take those out and San Francisco begins the draft. Hard for me to believe that you trade all that to go up to get Mac Jones, hoping that he's going to be the uh, the, the Frankenstein's monster of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning um, for for years and years to come. But that's that's what that's what it that's the smoke that's coming out of San Francisco. So um, that that's why I put him there. Would I do that? No. People I've talked to um, who are not San Francisco uh, said that they wouldn't do that for Mac Jones with no shade to Mac Jones, but um, you know, there are indications certainly that San Francisco is leaning Mac Jones way. I think one of the reasons that they would, if Mac Jones is the pick there is because I think Mac, they feel like Mac Jones gives them the best chance to win kind of as fast as possible. They think they have a championship window right now with Garoppolo and that strong defense and the great weapons they have with Kittle and Debo Samuel and, uh, Brandon Ayuk, maybe they think that Mac Jones is kind of the most developed of the five. That's the only guess I would have right now for a while. They would take him also. Maybe he's the best system fit, but it's definitely an interesting theory. Your thoughts on Kyle Trask, I want to hear before we move on to the mock draft, because I feel like a lot of people are pretty low on Trask, but I've seen some people compare him to guys like Josh Allen. Some people think he could be a late first round pick. Some people think, people think he could fall to the fourth round. Your thoughts on Florida quarterback Kyle Trask? Um. I would, I would be stunned if he's in the first round. Um, <laughs> I uh, can't say that I have very many thoughts on, on Kyle Trask. I don't, I don't think that uh, he'll be a top six quarterback. And uh, I would be very, very surprised if he is drafted in the first two rounds. Okay, so we'll dive into your mock draft now. You mentioned the top four picks, Lawrence to the Jaguars, Wilson to the Jets, Mac Jones to 49ers, New England trading up for Trey Lance. In the first kind of swing pick, number five, Cincinnati taking Sewell over Chase. That feels like the one and two combo. Why do you think they go with Sewell? Yeah, I think anytime that you have a uh, an opportunity to get the left tackle uh, of your future for the next 15 years or so, you, you go do it. Uh, I don't care uh, that they made a couple moves in free agency, one-year moves. Um, listen, the fact is that these guys are coming out of college right now, wide receivers, uh, very ready for the NFL game. And uh, each year, it's the best wide receiver class that we've seen. Uh, and it's deep. And I love Jamar Chase and absolutely think that he's the number one wide receiver in this year's class. But um, you can you can get 
uh, wide receiver later on. Um, you can't get a Panay Sewell. So um, that's that you got to protect Joe Burrow. We all saw what happened last year with the sacks. We saw what happened with the injury. Um, you, you'll find the weapons for him and you have some weapons for him. Uh, but, you know, hopefully you're not picking in the top five again for the next several years if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. So you're probably not going to have an opportunity uh, at a guy like this. Go ahead and get him now. Miami number six, they have all the weapons on the table. They choose Kyle Pitts, according to you. They have a pretty big weakness right now, receiver. They do have a tight end, Mike Gusecki. Why do you think Pitts would be their guy? Yeah, he's just not that that typical tight end. He's the best player that's on the board. Um, you know, he's he's a pass catcher. And uh, if you have him on the field, you could be running two tight end personnel. Uh, you could be running 11 personnel and use him as a receiver. Um, he can just, he can do it all. And you want to give to a, uh, as many weapons as possible. So uh, I would... There's a lot of belief that Kyle Pitts will uh, be picked by Atlanta at number four, and I understand why. Uh, but in my mock, when he's there at six for Miami, Miami has to take him. Yeah, I think Pitts could be a generational talent at tight end, be the highest tight end taken in the NFL draft in a long time. To the ninth pick, you have Detroit trading with Denver. You have Denver taking fields. We already talked about fields. Nine Detroit, Jalen Waddle from Alabama. Why do you have him over Devontae Smith? Smith was the Heisman winner kind of the more consistent receiver. Waddle had some injuries. Why do you have Waddle going higher than Smith? Yeah, I think the league has Waddle higher than Smith because of his, his body size. Um, he had the injury last year, but he was on an incredible pace uh, last season uh, before that foot. Uh, he showed the, the grit and determination to come back and play in that national championship game. But more than anything, um, I don't have Devontae Smith going higher because of his size. Uh, there's very little evidence in NFL history that a receiver of that size is going to hold up over the years uh, and, and be able to be productive. He's not going to get any bigger. His frame won't allow it. So uh, you have to be okay with a 170 pound guy uh, essentially. And so, you know, yeah, a, a heck of a season, no doubt in college has been trophy winner, but um We've, we've seen plenty of Heisman Trophy winners whose games didn't necessarily translate to the NFL. I think Devontae Smith will be a fine uh, NFL prospect. I don't, I don't question that, really. But if, if my job is dependent on who I think will have the longer, more productive career, uh, I am usually going to go against the 170-pound guy. Do you think it's possible because another reason that we see the guys like Tyreek Hill out there who are just barn burners faster than everyone in the field. And you see kind of similarities between that with Waddle and a guy like Darius Tony we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that, um, you know, you can go out and get a, a Tyreek Hill uh, player on the field. Uh, hopefully you don't get a, a Tyreek off the field and yeah. Um, and yeah, you can get it in Waddle. You can get it in a number of guys. Uh, you mentioned Tony, um, the slot, uh, guys are, are there, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. Um, so it's a heck of a draft if you want to add some speed to your wide receiver group. 11th over to the Giants of Jalen Phillips, the edge from Miami. A lot of people don't really have him as number one uh, line, outside linebacker, edge rusher taken. A lot of people have either Rosau or possibly Payne from, um, from Michigan. Uh, why do you have Phillips as the first edge rusher taken? I mean, he has all the physical tools. Uh, he has the length, he has the size, he has the speed. Um, he has the pedigree as, uh, as a top recruit who didn't really get it together at UCLA. Uh, of course, he, he battled the injuries, a couple of concussions, and then he comes to Miami and, uh, and really turns it on. He had a heck of a pro day. He tested well. 
Um, there's no, there's no obvious great edge rusher in this draft. Um, you know, Greg Rousseau has, has plenty of holes in his game. Um, Aziz Ojolari uh, is there. You can, you can like him. Um, and, and I'd be fine if somebody said that he's edge number one and that's fine. Uh, but I think the Jalen Phillips, um, if, if, if you want a guy who looks like an edge rusher, yeah. uh, you turn on the tape and he shows it, uh, and then you want him to be a little bit more consistent in his medicals checkout, I'd take him as a top edge rusher. Yeah, he definitely, I, I'm a Miami fan. I watch him play every Saturday. He was one of the best players on the defensive field. To number 13 overall, the Chargers. You have them taking Rayshon Slater, which would be a great pick for them. They have an absolute great roster. They need a tackle. Do you think if they were to get Slater, they could be really contenders in the AFC West? Not really threatening the Chiefs, but to make the playoffs and kind of make a run because a tackle is really what they need right now. That's right. Um, I thought that the tackle was the the obvious move there in the in the mock uh, to give them, and uh, they were fortunate that Slater was there. That the Carolina Panthers at eight in my mock didn't uh, didn't take Slater. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the way you phrased it is is correct and accurate. Maybe not competing uh, for the AFC West crown with the Chiefs, yeah, uh, but certainly a wild card. Um, you know, they've just been bitten by the injury bug every year for as long as I can remember. And so, so much of it is going to depend on uh, their level of health. Um, but again, you have the young quarterback, protect the young quarterback. This, this, is, this is what this NFL game is about. Uh, you get this guy on a rookie contract, make sure that he plays on his rookie contract. So uh, that's why Slater goes to L.A. in that one. The two corners outside Sertain, who appears to be the number one corner, is Farley and J.C. Horn. You have Horn going 14th overall to the Raiders, but you have Farley following 28 to the Saints. You have Most of those people have those kind of two and three back and forth. Why do you have the wide gap between them in the draft? Yeah, uh, I, I love Caleb Farley as a player. You turn on his tape, you look at his size. Um, now, the, the pro days of a lot of these corners um, the past month sort of show that Caleb Farley is, isn't as uh, standout physically uh, as some of these other guys before they tested. Um, but, you know, he, he's had two back surgeries and that's nothing to, to mess around with. And uh, I know that he's come out and his agent has come out and said that uh, all the teams are fine with his back and, and all that, you know, you hear that every year from a guy who has a lot of medical red flags. So um, I think, uh, you know, you have a guy who opted out <clears throat> on his terms, uh, no question, had legitimate reasons to, uh, but we haven't seen him play ball in a while and, and he's had a back surgery. So, uh, and that is second one at that. So I'm not at all. In a lot of these mocks, you have to, you got to predict who's going to trade up, who's willing to trade down. Uh, you have to predict uh, and sometimes understand who has the medical red flags so who can fall. Um, and it may not necessarily match up with the tape. Uh, like, oh, wow, this guy, you know, Justin Fields, like we talked about earlier. But, you know, that's the way it goes every year. 16th overall, you have Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury. Really, possibly his job on the line this season is really a pressure year for the Cardinals to start winning some games. They were close to the playoffs last year, couldn't pull through. You have them taking another wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. It feels like they have needs on the offensive line, holes on the defense. Why do you think they go out and take a guy like Tony where they already have some good receivers? Well, you know, they have – they have one good receiver uh, yeah. in DeAndre What a great Hopkins. receiver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, A.J. Green, he, he looked really bad last year. Um, and so we're going to have to see if he can turn it around or if that was just the Cincinnati malaise. Um, 
you know, they, they addressed a lot uh, along the offensive line in, um, in free agency, especially, you know, grabbing uh, Rodney Hudson in that trade with uh, Vegas. And so, Hey, um, I, I like throwing a, a guy like Tony uh, in there. You know, you, you can work him out of the backfield. You can work him with wildcat. Uh, you can line him up inside and outside and, and all of those things. So I like the position uh, versatility that he offers. Uh, and that's why I like him in Arizona with a, an imaginative uh, mind like Kingsbury. Another wide receiver, 22 overall to the Titans, Elijah Moore, an interesting one because a lot more people have Bateman there. People will put Rondell Moore from Purdue. Why do you have Moore standing out amongst them? Yeah, speed. Um, speed and speed. Um, they, they need speed uh, on that offense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what this offense is going to be now that Arthur Smith is gone. Um, but, you know, they, they have a just absolutely pound you in the face running back, obviously, and in Derrick Henry, um, they have AJ Brown. And that's another reason, you know, they, they know the Mississippi folks there and have uh, had an eye on Elijah Moore uh, for, for several years. So um, that's a guy, you know, in a lot of these mocks, you really, you can't go wrong with a Rashad Bateman. Um, you can't go wrong with a Rondell Moore. I won't be surprised if at 22, any of those three players are picked there. Uh, but I liked Elijah Moore's speed for them. 25, Jacksonville. You have them taking Christian Barmore, defensive lineman from Alabama. It feels like an Urban Meyer wanted to make a splash here because he's already got Trevor Lawrence. I would kind of see him going more towards, you know, trying to get Lawrence some weapons, either another, another wide receiver, build the offensive line. But you have them going the core defensive line. Why do you think they'll go with Barrymore? Well, um, Urban said earlier, uh, I think it was last month, you know, you, you went up front and uh, they were a little quiet in free agency up front. Uh, so I like the value there uh, in the in the mid 20s for a defensive tackle positional value wise. I don't think you unless he's Aaron Donald, uh, I don't think that you really take a defensive tackle in the top 15. I don't think you take a running back in the top 25. Um, but I think that. You know, you're, this Jaguars team is not going to win many games if they don't affect the passer. And so, uh, you know, you have a veteran group uh, along the offensive line. They surprisingly tagged Cam Robinson. Uh, they feel good enough about that group. Uh, go ahead and, and get you uh, a guy who played well on the biggest stage. Barmore got better as the season went along and certainly in the college football playoff, you could argue that he was the best player on the field uh, in both of those games and sort of the most outstanding player of the playoffs. So um, that's why I have him landing in Jacksonville. 30th overall, Buffalo. They haven't needed a running back. You have them going Travis Etienne from Clemson. I think Buffalo is a running back away from really competing with Kansas City. I know they're right there in the AFC Championship last year, but their issue was they couldn't establish the run even with my guy, Devin Singletary. Why do you have Etienne over Najee Harris? I think Etienne is, is RB1. Um, his ability uh, to catch the ball out of the backfield, and he's shown it consistently. Najee Harris uh, only did it last year. He only had really the opportunity to do it last year, yeah. but I've seen Travis Etienne do it uh, for three years. And uh, secondly, it's the home run hitter and the speed that he has and the breakaway speed and the 40-plus uh, yard rushes that he had throughout his career at Clemson where, you know, Najee Harris is, a, is an incredible running back. 
but he's he's not the home run hitter necessarily that ETN is. And um, so for me, I have ETN as, as RB1. Uh, I have Javante Williams actually from UNC as RB2. And then I have Najee Harris. Also, you, you look at his age. Uh, he's, he's already 23. Uh, he, he played pretty hard at Alabama over the years. Uh, when you draft him, you do have to worry about uh, tread on the tires. So uh, I, I like ETN there uh, at Buffalo. Is there no tread on the tires with ETN? Because he was expected to enter the draft last year. If he was, he probably would have been the first running back taken first or second. He continued last year to play in college. He kind of, his numbers digressed from 2019 to 2020. Is there any concern about maybe some rust from him already? No, I, it's it's a reflection of, you know, Clemson lost 80% of their offensive line. Uh, so I think everyone's numbers there went down uh, and, and not just him. I, you still see everything on film from ETN uh, from 2019 into 2020. Um, still on an incredible pace, even though uh, he played in, I think, three fewer games. Um, and yeah, I mean, every running back is going to to have some wear on him, but uh, he's, he's a, a solid age. And again, it's what he's shown on film year in, year out. Outside of the top 32 of your mock draft ends at the end of the first round, who are some guys you like that are going to go in the probably first 10, 15 picks of the second round? Oh yeah, no, that's a good question. That's, um, that's a, that's a better question to ask on Thursday night when, uh, <laughs> when folks are, uh, when I'm texting folks trying to figure that one out. So, um, yeah, folks are always jockeying at that point and they have their favorites. So it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see who trades up into the, um, uh, who trades with, you know, Kansas City or who trades with Tampa there at 31 and 32. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do this on a Thursday night of the draft. <laughs> we'll, track this question. Question. we'll track this question back on uh, April 20, 29th when the, when the NFL draft actually comes. What would be the biggest thing that surprised you in this draft? What would happen at the end? You're, you're going to be in Cleveland for the draft reporting for CBS Sports. At, at the end of April 29th, what would be the one thing that shocks you the most? The, the one scenario that would just be like, how did this happen? Um, a, a, a video leaking of a draft prospect smoking in a gas mask. <laughs> Does it get any wilder than that? Is there no. any wilder story in the history of the draft than that? Uh, no, it, there is there. It does not. I, you know, it, <laughs> I, I've done, this will probably be my ninth draft now. So I don't know what really surprises me anymore. Um, I, I'm, I am very excited to see what happens with the top five quarterbacks. Um, and obviously in my mock, I had them all going there in the top seven. Um, I, I'm going to be fascinated. That's a lot that I have the New England Patriots giving up to move up with Atlanta. Um, Denver uh, moving up with Detroit to get ahead of Carolina. So I'm... You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the top 10 outside of the top two, uh, but I'm excited to watch it unfold. You've covered the last eight NFL drafts. What's been your favorite moment of covering the draft? Oh, man, that's a good question. One thing that um, stands out to you. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I wish I <laughs> – but probably all the at-home cameras last year and uh, – <laughs> the guy who was, was it cd lamb who took the phone away from his uh from yeah. his uh, the, the the woman beside him <laughs> i think i probably laughed so hard i cried on that one so i'll go with that one what about your favorite part of covering the nfl draft maybe that'll be a little easier to answer what's your favorite part yeah. of going to the last year no one went but your favorite part of going to the draft well it's um 
you know, it's, it's just, it's for me and, and loving football, it's just figuring out where, what team are, is filling holes, what team is actually doing best player available, uh, what team's reaching. It's just from a, from a football and, fo- and team building standpoint, um, figuring out the, the sort of psychology behind all of that. Um, you know, you hear a team, let's say the Carolina Panthers, who at eight are saying, hey, we're, we're in a position to take best player available and we're not going to reach. Okay, well, when eight comes around, if they take a guy that we thought would be picked at 15, well, you know, that's probably a reach. Um, and, it, and it informs your football reporting. Moving forward, of course, that's just an example with, with the Panthers there at eight. So um, that's what I like the most about the draft is, is learning more about these teams and, and their psychology. Outside of the draft, what's your favorite part about covering the National Football League? Before CBS Sports, you were with Sports Illustrated. Before that, you were working in Charlotte. Your favorite part of covering the NFL? Um, I mean, it's 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 the big ticket item. It's what everyone cares about. Uh, you know, I love football. Um, love football, uh, but it's just you know, <laughs> the NFL is the NFL. Um, and uh, as a as a beat writer, as somebody who uh, covers the league, you also, as personally speaking, you can ha- also have a life. Uh, you're not on the road uh, eight months out of the year. Obviously, there's travel throughout the season, but you're not a, a baseball beat writer, for example. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've spoken with plenty of folks who have families. You know, you can be a beat writer and, and have a family. Um, and, you know, travel on weekends, uh, 16 weekends a year. So um, it, it offers a very good uh, work-life balance because so much of my life already is football um, that it's a, it's a really good um, coalescence. I'll get you out on this. You're a North Carolina alum, the Tar Heels. They've been in the news the last couple of weeks, the retirement of Roy Williams, hiring Hubert Davis as new basketball head coach. Uh, your thoughts on them hiring Hubert Davis? Good luck to Hubert. Uh, those are big shoes to fill. You know, I was on record uh, wanting Carolina to swing for the fences because I do believe it is a, a top two job uh, in the country. Uh, I think you can make an argument. I'd hear the argument that Kentucky is the number one job. I, I think Carolina is the number one job. Um, but, you know, I, I thought that they would be able to bring in a guy, uh, a real top dog. And, you know, Jay Wright wanted to stay at Villanova. Obviously, they made the, the move on Hubert before Mark Few and Gonzaga lost, where you know he was never going to leave if they lost anyway. Um, Brad Stevens probably is never coming back to college. No. Uh, so I thought that if they were going to pick someone who was not a top dog, if they had to pick someone who was in the Carolina family, if you will, uh, Hubert Davis was without question far and away my number one pick. Uh, so excited to see what he does after nine years on the bench as an assistant. Uh, being the number or a first round pick, uh, recruiting along the way. Uh, I'm very excited to see. I'm going to give him some time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to judge him uh, totally off of his first season, um, but I'm excited to see what he puts together in Chapel Hill. Yeah, people are starting to have the Juwan Howard expectations where the team should start winning, going to the Elite in year one or year two. Huge thanks to Jonathan Jones for coming on the podcast, talking NFL draft. You'll be there in Cleveland the 29th. Anything else to plug? Oh, yeah. Just uh, follow along at CBS Sports uh, HQ and uh, obviously download the CBS Sports app. Subscribe to the podcast, Pick 6 Podcast, all of the CBS Sports stuff. Check us out. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. 
big thank you to Jonathan Jones for coming on the podcast, talking about his mock draft, talking about NFL draft preview, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and a whole lot more coming up next in the Harrison Vatnick podcast. I'm going to have my NFL mock draft special out probably Wednesday morning. I'm going to have all 32 teams' picks with trades and a lot more. It'll be a 20-minute video, very cool video, a lot of edits, fun to watch. So stay tuned for that, and as always, have a great day, and we'll see you next time on the Harrison Vatnick podcast. See ya!